Jeremy Shaw, The Death of the Artistic Ego Jeremy Shaw's profile could easily be presented as the trajectory of a successful artist in which long-term themes are convincingly developed, the productive complexity of their elaboration increases, and in which exhibition in the world's leading institutions increase as well as the works represented in their collections. Given the nature of his work, however, a more compelling question is what the artist's presentation would look like if it mimicked the experience of dissolving ego, drug-induced highs, or states of spiritual ecstasy. Image number one. Still shot from a movie I can see forever that appears to be shot on a VHS tape. A person with a beard and short dark hair clothed in white underpants and socks of the same color, performing a dance move with legs stretched from top to bottom of the image. Feet are not visible. Hands appear to be in a movement counteracting the unstable pose. The rest of the body is leaning to the left, as if a flag at half-mast. The background is a corner of a white room with a window, which is covered from the outside or painted white. We cannot see the outside. The image resembles an old office building. The image is taken from a low angle. Image number two. Black and white photograph from the series Towards Universal Pattern Recognition, Celebration of Spirit. 16th of July, 1983. A crowd of what seemed to be mainly young people, perhaps at a concert, all facing in the direction of the camera, but none make eye contact with it. In the lower front stands, a person with long curly hair and a striped t-shirt waving their hand. Behind them, we can see three more relaxed faces. On the left, a person with a baseball cap, one with sunglasses in the middle, and one with closed eyes and short dark hair on the right. The image is distorted as if it were cracked glass with individual cracks originating in the center and radiating towards the outsides of the image. The distortion is centered on the face of the person in the bottom middle. The close-ups of Jeremy Shaw and his acquaintances show the ecstasy of hallucinogenic DMT. These videos of individual heads are supplemented by subtitled transcripts of the corresponding statements recorded immediately after the effect of the substance has expired. Do you know what I mean? asks one of the participants. The time shift dividing the experience and the attempt to describe it is wedged between what is visible and what can be read. What is not visible, conscious time seems to decompose beyond recognition, as evidenced by the difficulties with which returning psychonauts try to express their experiences. Shaw himself talks about half-visible, sound-like creatures similar to figures from Predator and an environment reminiscent of Hellraiser. References to science fiction cinema provide an insufficient but instructive framework in which altered states of perception and consciousness can be shared. Image number three, black and white photograph from the series Towards Universal Pattern Recognition, Baptism Bayfront Center, 1982. Three people in what appears to be an apartment or maybe a hospital. The image crops them so we can see only their heads and bits of torso. Person on the left is in their late 40s with short dark hair, 
wearing a white shirt. They are looking at the woman in the center of the image, who seems to be in pain or screaming for another reason. Her mouth is open, eyes closed, and head tilted slightly back. Someone's hands are on her chin and neck, but not in a hostile way. The third person is barely visible and unsharp. We can see only a part of his face and hand, stretching out from the right to the left, thus lining the whole bottom part of the image. He's wearing glasses and laughing or smiling in the direction of the first person. The image is distorted similarly to image number two, with the center of distortion being the open mouth of the second person. This effect reshapes it into what resembles the mouth of an octopus. Similarly, another of Shaw's videos consists of transitions between different worlds, portrayed in science fiction films through vortices and tunnels. In his selection and presentation, the special effects do not appear only as film tricks, but literally as something with a specific effect, as methodical cognitive specializations in which the line between the psychedelic expansion of the mind and McLuhan's extension of the man and media is blurred. I didn't want the piece to be about hypnotism. I wanted it to be hypnotism, Shaw says of another piece. This collapse of content into form represents the key movement of all his work. Psychedelic films are psychedelic in themselves. The effects are not only effective, but also effective. Whether Shaw represents facts or fiction, any such representation at least potentially produces effects associated with transcendence, spirituality, or psychedelia. Image number four. Two color photos that appear to be stills from a movie, side by side. Each shows a headshot of one person up close. Both have closed eyes, wearing white t-shirts and laying in white sheets, most likely in bed. The one on the left has short dark hair with his head tilted to the right and mouth closed. The person on the right with longer dark hair has her hand positioned in between the camera and her chin and she appears to be speaking. Her fingers create an abstract gesture as if holding a small bird. There are subtitles on the bottom of each shot. The one on the left says, looking through a million predators. Do you know what I mean? asks the subtitle on the right image. Old newspaper photographs of various religious seances scatter in kaleidoscopic effects created either digitally or using large plexiglass crystals. In other images, contours of figures splinter chronophotographically as motion studies turn into something like diagrams of the trance. At other times, following the example of Simon and Valentina Kurlian, Shaw photographically captures the electromagnetic field around various objects, including his own hands, to see if he can detect changes in his mood while listening to music. Shaw's artistic practice occasionally seems like a kind of self-experimentation, not only for the creator and the protagonists of his works, but also for their audiences. It thus follows the tradition of the romantic naturalists and critical pioneers of modern psychonautics, including Walter Benjamin, who, before he came to associate aura with all photographs or works of art, described the aura of all things glimpsed in his hashish highs. 
Narcotic protocols fit into Benjamin's philosophical project in which he studied the conditions of possibility or impossibility for modern experience primarily in reference to the effects of drugs and the effects of the media. It is as if Shaw were calling for something similar in the era of startup microdosing and ayahuasca tourism. Image number five. Silkscreen printed black and white image from the series Cathartic Illustration. Calm Gathering, C1. Depicting one person standing on the left side. They are wearing a button-up shirt or dress. Gazing upwards with nearly shut eyes, the person's mouth is slightly open in a gesture resembling ecstasy. Behind them is an old tile wall reflecting light. The image is distorted as if the film was exposed multiple times, thus replicating the person multiple times. Each exposure a few centimeters higher, extending the body upwards. If the documentary mode of portrayal represents reality in conventional opinion, the post-documentary mode to which Shaw subscribes reveals the psychotropic nature of experience, as described by historian David L. Smale. Smale connects the concept not only with psychedelics, but also with cultural practices and artifacts that affect neurochemical processes at the interface of the brain with whole bodies and the wider environment. What happens during intoxication is then only a particularly striking case of a much more common phenomenon, which is at once biological, social, and technical. Thanks to this, Smell outlines the deep history of the human species as a kind of cultural alchemy. Image number six. Installation view from the exhibition in Julius Doschek Collection Gallery in Dusseldorf called Quantification Trilogy. It depicts a space with a gray uniform floor and rough concrete ceiling with white neon lights. All the angles in the photo are perfectly perpendicular. The wall in front of the camera is completely wallpapered by black and white images of people in trance, with their hands raised as in image number seven, all distorted as if the image was exposed multiple times. Shaw's videos of recent years appear to offer a speculative sequel to this interpretation. They mix evocative historical references as well as eclectically futuristic science fiction projections. Shaw takes special care to work in these videos with a variety of media formats. The aesthetics of television documentaries with typical voiceover commentary, black and white 16mm film, or faded VHS and high-aid colors. At the cathartic peaks, the ritual rave videos then turn into digital data marshing psychedelia. Films set tens and hundreds of years in the distant future consist of seemingly documentary shots taken, as it were, at some point in the second half of the 20th century. That is, at a time when psychedelic culture and therapeutic procedures of subjectivation intersected with consumer pharmacopornographic society and neoliberal techniques of governance. Our future evolution is not yet fully decided.